You know, back ailments are no joke. I have learned that, so thank you all for your prayers and how much you have uh, kept me in your thoughts and cards, and I've just been so enormously blessed through this, um, yeah, pain in the back. But I'm going to sit, so um, thank you for allowing me that that, um, privilege tonight. But I want to talk to you a little bit about our ministry focus tonight is the Christmas wish tree. And there are trees, I believe, already outside in our narthex. And this is part of what we do for the children in our local community during the Christmas season. So from this the second here to the end of the month, um, there's going to be the trees in both narthexes, and there's tags, and each child has given a uh, wish that they've put on the tag. And so some of the organizations that these children are from are the um, Voices for Children, Shepherd's Lighthouse, Wildwood Middle High School Mentor Program, the Refuge at Jumper Creek, and Kids Central. So if you are interested in being a part of this um, wonderful event for the Christmas season, I hope that you will take a tag from one of the trees. Make sure you mark down or speak to the person that's at the tree so they can mark your name and contact information down. I know that this is a wonderful blessing to the children in our region. There are so many kids that just don't have anything. So I know that this is a wonderful blessing. You will be blessed by it as we are blessed. So with that, let's continue in our worship tonight. sinner who would hurt all mankind 
continuing in this series of power, praise, and Paul. And I just want to thank Pastor Harold for always giving me the hardest passage. So um, publicly, I'm going to go ahead and say that, but he is doing a wedding tonight. And so it's really my privilege to be here with you as much as uh, I have missed you all so much. And it's just a blessing to see your smiling faces. So um, thank you for being here. And thank you for Lorraine Harris for doing our prayer tonight. What a blessing. Thank you so much, Lorraine. So our scripture tonight is from 1 Thessalonians 4. And uh, starting in verse 13. Brothers and sisters... We want you to know about people who have died so that you won't mourn like others who don't have any hope. Since, is that what I think it is? Right in the middle of God's word. Thank you. Since we believe that Jesus died and rose, we also believe that God will bring with him those who have died in Jesus. What we are saying is a message from the Lord. We who are alive and still coming around in the Lord's coming definitely, we will won't go ahead of those who have died. This is because the Lord himself will come down from heaven with the signal of a shout by the head angel and a blast on God's trumpet. First, those who are dead in Christ will rise. Then we who are living and are still around will be taken up together with them in the clouds to meet with the Lord in the air. That way we will always be with the Lord. So encourage each other with these words. This is a word of the Lord for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Uh, so, you know, we've been spending these last few weeks with Paul as he has been journeying through the Philippi and Thessaloniki to establish these churches. Now, I think Paul is all over the place. How in the world did he manage to do as much traveling he's, as he did when he didn't have airplanes and trains and other fast modes of transportation, he was a busy guy. And so he's been in these various regions and he's spreading the good news of Jesus Christ. And in the case of the Thessalonians, he's talking about the afterlife. So if you haven't seen this movie, Soul, it is a Pixar film about a high school band teacher. And, well, he took a little trip. So let's watch this clip from the movie Soul. <laughs> if you haven't seen that movie, it is, it's a really cute movie with a wonderful story about this high school music teacher who wants to make it big in the jazz world. So he ends up, uh, as you saw, through all these tumbling bricks, 
dogs chasing him, cars, and he drops in a manhole. And so he's in the great before. And that's kind of, it's not heaven or hell. That's kind of what's going on in Thessaloniki because the followers there were worried that those have gone before and they're still here and they don't understand how that fits together with the promise of the gospel. So it's really more about Paul explaining to them that it's okay to grieve. And, but we, as people of Christ, don't have to grieve in the same way. So let's talk about some terms that are good for us to know. And I know this sounds very textbook, but these are some fun words that I felt were very important. When those of the Jewish faith died, they really didn't have an under, a great understanding of what happened when they died. The traditional term is paradise or Abraham's bosom or God's garden. It's called all of those things for those who are righteous. That was for the righteous Jews. And that was kind of a holding place. And then there is Gihanim for the rest. And that's another holding place, but it's kind of equivalent to H-E double hockey sticks, according to the little dudes in the film. So if you remember when Jesus went on the cross and he tells the thief next to him who says, will you remember me when you come to your kingdom? And he says, today you will be with me in paradise. That's the term that means he's, he's in paradise with Jesus. And that is a wonderful place to be as long as we are with God and the Lord. The other thing that we need to know about is that eschatology is a big word that it means we're studying the end times. And that's kind of what Paul is talking about here. He's talking to these Thessalonians about what's going to happen. How's this going to work? And I'm sure they had a lot of questions as new believers. And, you know, eschatology can be really fascinating, but it is tough sledding. So if you decide to study it, I would love to learn from you uh, because it's hard stuff. Now, some of you may have heard of Bruce Metzger's study, Breaking the Code. Some of you may have done that. And that's a wonderful study on talking about end times. But end times is something that, great, quite frankly, none of us know. We don't know. And so the best source for us is what Jesus teaches us in the Gospels. And if, for instance, like in Matthew 25, Jesus talks about the bridesmaids who are ready, the ladies who are all ready with their lamps. Five of them have oil in their lamps. They're ready to go. Five of them do not. And they're trying to bum oil off the other bridesmaids. Well, that's not exactly fair. They had time to prepare but that's typical of us humans, isn't it? There's always those who are prepared and ready to go. And then there are those of us who fly by the seat of our pants, which could potentially be me a lot of times. Uh, you know, Jesus knew how people are. So he understood that there's going to be all kinds that make this this question that's coming up here about what does it mean? What's going to happen to those who have gone before? But Jesus was trying to give them a warning in this parable. Give, him, give people guidance to know that there is a plan. There is 
this is not a time to snooze through the parable. The continual message from Jesus we hear over and over is we do not know the day or the hour or the time. Nothing, nothing is known when he will come again. But we are to be ready. We are to be ready. And our job as believers and followers of Jesus Christ is to help others be ready for that journey as well. Have your lamps filled with oil and trimmed. There's a very important verse in that parable, Matthew 25, 13, that says, Therefore, keep alert because you don't know the day or the hour. That's very important to all of us because we don't know the day or the hour. We don't know when Jesus is coming back. And if you listen to the scripture and Paul saying what he is, is talking to them about, he almost sounds like Jesus is coming back tomorrow. It's almost like he felt like Jesus was coming very soon. But the reality is 2,000 years later, and we're still waiting for Jesus to come and looking for Jesus to come, and we need to be ready for Jesus to come. I think that Thessalonians were having a lot of angst, and they were new Believers, they were just concerned about the ones who had just said they believe in Jesus and they passed away before Jesus came back. Kind of makes you feel like that's a normal reaction, doesn't it? It's like we, we see uh, our friends or our loved ones who have left, but we're still here. Are we going to see them again? Are we going to be reunited this is what you've told us and taught us. So they have to believe in the promises of God as well we all should. You know, all of us have lost loved ones. Some of them may be recent. Some might be stretching back a bit in our history. However, we all have emotions that come from... Uh, the, the loss of a loved one, someone that's important to us. So I'm going to challenge us a little bit today to think about how we feel when we think about a loved one's loss and their, what was their status with Jesus Christ. Think about how those who were followers of Jesus contrasted to those who didn't know him or those still today that don't know him. Losing people in our lives that we know are followers of Jesus versus those that we know don't have a relationship and don't know about the resurrection, that makes, it's a different feeling. It's a different emotion. So what are maybe some of the thoughts you had at the time when you lost someone that you knew was part of God's family? And then maybe what were some of the ones if you're dealing with people that don't know Jesus Christ? How do you feel differently? It's a different kind of grief. You know, if you're dealing with grief, and this is a brief commercial, is that, you know, we have a whole lot of people here who've walked that journey. 
and we have people that can walk alongside you if you're, if you're wrestling with grief, if you're dealing with um, the loss of someone, whether they were a believer or not a believer, or whether you don't know how you feel about things, we have a wonderful ministry of support groups. We have Stephen ministers that can help guide you and pray with you. Grief's not meant to be walked alone. And I'm very grateful for that. Because I think about losing my parents, which was probably the, the worst um, kind of grief that I have experienced to date. And I couldn't have done it if I had to walk it alone. I knew both of my parents were secure in their faith. I knew where they were going. I felt confident I would be reunited with them again. But I didn't grieve that I would never see them. I didn't have that kind of grief that they were lost to me forever. And so I look forward to the time when I get to see them again. You know, there's so many questions about how that all works out. And the best answer of all of that is that God is in control of all things. And how do we respond to his kingdom coming back here on earth? You know, I think about when it comes to grief, I think about a good friend whose husband was killed in a, um, a very tragic accident. He had not been raised in a Christian home. And he was very naive to the whole gospel message. But my sweet friend was a believer and had a very deep faith. And she had been planting seeds in her husband all this time. And when he died, she said, do you think he's in heaven? And the only thing I could come up with was that he was so much like a child in his faith. He was so much like a child in trying to learn that I believed he was. That he did, that gave her comfort to think that her husband was asking questions. I believe that was the best way to, to position that to her, to give her hope and comfort. Because we don't know what that business is that God transacts with us in those last moments. I think of bedsides of those who I have been with who have been ready to cross over. And I realize that that for me is a great privilege to be able to witness that. To witness those spaces where the, the veil is so thin and you can feel the presence of God in the room. And I feel like the people that are transitioning from earthly to spiritual are are experiencing uh, the peace that passes all understanding, the things that we can only wait to find out about. We have no idea what transactions God is doing with those who are so close to transitioning from an earthly body to a spiritual body. We don't have any idea. And I firmly believe and this is how I feel like I, I feel like I have to cling to that I feel God is right there waiting for them to say yes if they have not had a life in Christ.
You know, Paul uses this whole opportunity to keep the Thessalonians informed. He simply wants to keep them informed. So the first line out of that scripture says, we do not want you to be uninformed. They're new to their faith. They have questions. They're looking for answers that they can understand and that they can share with their loved ones. But as people of Jesus Christ, we know, we know that we will see our loved ones again, that we will be with Jesus and I believe, again, like I was talking about trans, with a person who's transitioning, I believe that God extends that love and that grace and that mercy to that individual because there is no one besides him. There is no one beside God, and he is waiting for each of us to say yes. So one person explained it to me this way, and I think this sounds very appropriate. It's almost like one door closes and the other door opens and God is there. God is waiting in that transition because he doesn't want anyone to miss out. What kind of God is, is that we have that wants all of us, every last one of us, the the ones who are on the margins, the ones who have rejected him, the ones who have lived a life that's probably been tough. He wants everyone to come to him and give us, gives them that opportunity. And I think, gosh, how amazing you are. Because as humans, we tend to go, well, hmm, I wonder if that person's getting in. I had a little talk with Jesus, and I know you're not going. Or seriously, we we tend to we tend to think about those things and wonder what people's position is on where they feel in their faith if we don't know them well. And God just wants everybody. His arms are so open wide for all of us. All of us, even the ones who have, are still broken and, and bruised and living on the streets or living on the margins of life. He wants everybody. God does not want anyone to miss out on the blessing. God does not want anyone to miss out on the blessing. Because God loves the ones that come to him late in their earthly journey as much as he loves the ones who came to him early. Paul is trying to bring comfort and consolation to this group of people. He's giving them hope for what's ahead but also to help them understand and be able to share with others because the whole message of the gospel has been transferred by voice, by, by the story of Jesus. The people were telling each other what had happened. So they're very, they have to be ready to share this. So I think that, that as he's giving them this comfort, he really wants them to be able to share this good news. 
We are all the Thessalonians at times. We want to follow Jesus Christ, but we get caught up in our questions. We get caught up in our wonderings, and sometimes we just get stalled. We have all been the new Christian who grieve for the loss of loved ones and needing hope. Needing hope for what's next. But if you get nothing from this message, there's two things that I hope that you will come away with. It is okay to grieve. And we all grieve differently. But we grieve as people of hope. We grieve as people of hope. And second, Jesus will come again for his people. It is our job to be ready. Our job is to be ready. Do not put off living for Jesus Christ. I think it's real easy to get caught up in our own lives and things we're interested in and things that we like to go and do and sometimes forget that that God is in everything. And um, I, I can't remember exactly when it was, but I got, I remember almost like a slap in the face of saying, wait a minute, do you want God to come back today? And you're out having a blast with whatever. No, I did not. I want to be living for Jesus Christ. I did not want to be living as a person of the world. Jesus will come again for all his people. Jesus died alone because he took all the sin on himself. 1 Peter 3, 18 and 19 says, Christ himself suffered on account of sins once and for all, the righteous one on behalf of the unrighteous. He did this in order to bring you into the presence of God. Christ was put to death as a human, but made alive by the Spirit. And it was by the Spirit he went to preach to the spirits in prison. Jesus' people will not die alone, but they will be with him in their transition from the earthly body to a spiritual body. And these are the assurances of our faith. We declare it in the Apostles' Creed. We sing it in our praises. We say them in our prayers. But we have this great hope in Jesus Christ. And this is the confidence we can trust that we will not be alone. We will go from this life to the next with God meeting us there. Let's pray. God of us all, we thank you for your promises. We thank you for the truths we can count on, especially the most blessed truth of Jesus Christ. We look forward to the time when your kingdom is realized here on earth. We believe and trust in all you graciously give to your children, and we praise you because we are yours. And it's in the name of the one who holds our hand. Amen.